The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. It's time to face the music. It's your day in court with a people's lawyer, Bruce Hagan, and attorney Ray Giudice. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Giudice on Extra 106.3. My name is Tug Cowart. If you ever run into legal issues and you don't know who to turn to, it needs to be one of these two men. And if they don't do the type of law that you are experiencing trouble with, they will find you the right person. That's what they do, and that's why they do this show called Your Day in Court. Bruce, how do people start by finding you? Easy enough to find me, Bruce, at Hagen-Law.com. That's H-A-G-E-N hyphen law.com you can call me on my cell phone 404-202-2233 i do personal injury law i've been um, doing this for 36 going on 37 years here in atlanta and uh, we handle cases all over the place Um, we are a mom and pop shop that brings the uh, weight and experience behind us of uh, a, a veritable army of uh of experience and lawyers so a mom and pop shop that brings the pop we do. Let's we go. Do pop and mom and pop. <laughs> That's right. All right, Ray, how do folks get you if they need you? Well, I come here to do the show, so it's a warm, dry place. I go through the studio refrigerator and eat other people's lunches and uh, try, try to see what I can squeeze out of uh, the David Dickey organization. <laughs> but uh, in all seriousness, yeah, you know what? I, I, we do look forward to doing this every week and hearing our own voices, and um, which was a shock the first time I – Heard and saw myself on national TV back in the day when I was being yelled at at Nancy Grace on court TV and uh, looked up there and saw my what was then red hair and uh, my voice, which I was offended, very upset about listening to. But uh, if folks do want to hear me talk to them directly, they can call me on my cell phone, 404-964-4185. Um, it's on a lot, most of the day, most of the evening, even on the weekends. I, that's when things happen. In my world, nine to five, we deal with court and shuffle paper and take depositions and statements. And then everybody else, the action is always from uh, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., seven days a week. So you can feel free to call me. There you go. If you need help, always reach out. They will get you in touch with the right folks if they are not indeed that way. Let's start out with uh, Donald Trump's real estate company. It uh, tr- The Trump Organization operates golf and hotels and other real estate around the world. They were found guilty of paying personal expenses for top executives which included uh, the former chief financial officer, Alan Weiselberg, including bonus checks to them if they were uh, independent contractors. So they face up to $1.6 million in fines. How do you all see this uh, moving forward? I know Trump was not charged in the case, and he has uh, said that his organization will appeal. It's an interesting case. We talked about this, what was coming, and, and the sort of crimes that they're uh, accused of and now convicted of. None of it was individually against Donald Trump, but this is his company, the company he's intimately involved with. His signature was on checks. His signature was on tax returns. His signature was on memos. His name was throughout the trial, whether uh, you know at various times. 
both the Trump organization lawyers wanted to keep it out and the plaintiffs wanted, or the state wanted to keep it out. Uh, but, you know, it's not entirely different than the allegations um, that had been brought against Todd Chrisley over, uh, you know, financial fraud, um, except that in this case, it really was shown to have been done specifically for the purposes of avoiding taxes. And as Ray, who is a student of the history of organized crime, will be happy to point out, you know, what was it brought down Al Capone? It was not paying your taxes, you know. So, um, yes, of course, the Trump organization will appeal this. You know, more than anything, it's it's chipping away at the uh, at the name and, and at the brand. Um, and while it may not directly implicate uh, Donald Trump uh, personally, certainly these sort of things do leave a mark. Uh, they leave a mark on one's reputation, even the Teflon president that he is. Um, and so, you know, interesting to see that something went forward, something stuck that doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter how big a name you are. If you're breaking the law, you will be brought to justice, and sometimes justice is going to come down against you. Yeah, uh, this is, I think, one of the tips of the iceberg for the Trump organization and business. There is multiple, there are multiple investigations coming from the New York State Attorney General's office. They are pursuing the Trump real estate organization for what what happens a lot. I'm not I'm not absolving anybody of uh, liability or guilt or, or, or saying anybody's guilty without the presumption that they all have the presumption of innocence, but of inflating uh, property values for the purposes of securing loans against those inflated property values or for resale or for insurance purposes. Uh, and so here we've got a business that uh, was indicted, and basically this was kind of petty crime. Uh, basically, there were a lot of benefits. People had company cars, people had company parking spots, and in New York City, if you get a free parking spot, you, you're, it's worth fifty thousand dollars. That's a big deal. Not more, right? I mean, you 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 pay extra for the deed to a parking spot. In, in some of these parking decks and these multi-million dollar condominiums. They have their own deed on them because they're so valuable. Uh, so there's a lesson, of course, for all you know, self-employed and small business people out there listening is that, you know, you, you yeah, okay, once in a while you may run your personal Christmas cards through the company meter for stamps, but really you're supposed to reimburse the company for the fair market value of any resource you take out of the company or any benefit you get from the company. And one of the easy uh, layup convictions in this of 17 different counts was the fact that these people didn't declare the benefits on their income tax records and pay the appropriate taxes. Uh, there's a certain mileage amount that you're supposed to declare if you've got a company car, you're supposed to declare um, you know, anything you get, meals, all that's been, there's a certain amount of promotion that you're entitled to, but it's all got to be declared uh, on your tax returns, and they just didn't. Well, but these are these weren't little things like that. I mean, these, these were luxury cars. These, these were, you know, tuition for private school, you know, the $30,000, $40,000 tuition, big expense items that they were taking out and just saying, yeah, we, we'll pay this as though it's an operating expense of this company. Um, which essentially is saying that we're going to have a 40 to 45 percent savings. You know, one of the things I found interesting was, you know, the defense in this case was that, well, you can't hold a 
company responsible for the actions of the individuals. So, so it's like, well, are they the individuals or are they not the individuals that are behind it? And so, what, you know, as lawyers, we're, we're comfortable with the idea that whatever argument is more uh, appropriate to the case at hand, that's the argument I'm making, but I can make both arguments. That's what was going on here. Uh, I do think Ray makes, makes an excellent point and that this may be the tip of the iceberg because, you know, this, 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 these crimes, while there are crimes and there's a conviction and these are, you know, felony convictions, the financial penalty is insignificant to a company of this size. It's, it's size. It's like hundred thousand dollars per count, so one point seven million potentially in fines um, in this criminal case. But there's also a civil case that uh, the New York Attorney General has brought against um, Donald Trump individually, three of his adult children, um, the CFO Weisselberg, who was the key witness in this uh, criminal case, and and that has to do with. Uh, manipulating values from their properties, trying to get um, loans and insurance breaks and tax breaks. And in that case, uh, the state is trying to recover something like $250 million uh, for what they claim the harm that was done there. That's, that's a different case, um, but this case might be a, a harbinger of what's to come. And here's how it gets played out, or at least one possible way. The uh, district attorney of Manhattan, uh, Mr. Bragg, who in his office prosecuted this case, I believe, he gets together with, uh, I believe it's Ms. James, who's the attorney general of the state of New York on the civil case that, that uh, we have been talking about now and says, hey. Letitia James. Uh, Letitia James, thank you. And uh, they call up Mr. Weisselberg's attorney prior to sentencing <laughs> on this conviction that just occurred. They said, hey, why don't you come on down the office with your counsel and let us debrief you and let you start identifying documents and tell us what you know. And that will be taken into account before we decide to present you to the judge for the maximum punishment. I think this gentleman is in my age bracket, mid to late 60s, and nobody at any age wants to go to prison. Uh, but in your latter years, you will you will squeal <laughs> and give it up. <laughs> That's and, and you will talk, and I believe that's what we're going to start to see again, the tip of the iceberg, um, and I and I think it's going to lead to, uh, you know, uh, one of Mr. Trump, former President Trump's, I don't even want to talk about politics, but what he has consistently done in his business is pretend that he can consistently renegotiate everything. The problem is that when you're convicted and there are judges, there's the, the negotiations are pretty much over. You don't get a you don't get a mulligan. You don't get a do over. Uh, and I think that's where he doesn't listen to his legal counsel very well. Uh, in the in the in the civil cases that are coming up, and there's also a big investigation into his multi-million dollar loans. And I want to say, is it uh, is is it Deutsche Bank, the German bank, uh, that that allegedly held a lot of property at a much higher value than it was assessed at for his loans. They had a special loan officer for the Trump organization, and I think that person has been terminated. So I think there's just going to be a lot of financial uh, misdoings and uh, misdeeds that are going to be uncovered. And, you know, people, people, people will roll over when they're looking at serious prison time. Yeah, it's understandable for sure, because I think if I were in that situation, I'd be rolling over too. This is Your Day in Court on Extra 106.3 with renowned lawyers Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. When we come back, a topic that we've talked about before, but in 
uh, where we are in the calendar year, it is a good topic to discuss again. Holiday parties, driving, uh, not getting a ride share. When you have a party at the house or at the office, do you bear responsibility for what people do there when they leave? We'll talk about that next on Extra 106.3 and Your Day in Court. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Ballou here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. This is Your Day in Court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 106.3. Welcome back to Your Day in Court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. If you ever need their help, we're going to get you their contact information, personal cell phones even, here in the next segment. That way you can reach out to them any time of day, anytime you need their help. My name is Tug Coward. This is a topic that we've talked about before, but I think it bears talking about again because of where we are on the calendar i know y'all were probably lined up to go to holiday parties i've got a christmas party that i'm going to so the responsibility that you bring by inviting someone into your home or into your office is uh is pretty broad fellas yeah it certainly is and i know that the uh 680 the fan and 1063 uh holiday party coming up so a lot there to consider uh because this time of year uh people tend to be a little too aggressive uh, with the alcohol. They tend to party a little too much. They tend to get lax um, on taking care of themselves and then suddenly find themselves potentially behind the wheel of a car. And that is a bad recipe, both for you, for the other people out on the road. Um, and if you work for a company, it can be bad for your company. If you own a company, it can be bad for you as the owner. Um, this time of year, you know, we, we always like to recommend to folks, look, if you're going to be hosting something at your home, at your business, um, be a good time to check to make sure that your insurance policy premiums are paid up and that you are properly covered in case somebody does hurt themselves, even if it's just an accident. 
um, which sometimes it truly can be an accident. Um, it's it's a good time certainly for you to do a an audit of the surrounding areas. You know, do you have that one loose step that you know about and uh, your family knows about? Everybody jumps over it so they don't get hurt. But a person who is uh, walking up those steps for the first time might not be prepared for it. May may fall down and get injured, and suddenly you're responsible because you knew of a dangerous condition. You didn't take proper steps to uh, to repair it. So take a fresh look at things, repair the things you can. Uh, if there's a dangerous condition or just a lack of lighting, you know, do, do what you can to, to make it safer for the people who are coming to visit you or your business. That's always a, a good rule of thumb. This is also a time of year when, uh, when you're in the car, you may find yourself um, approaching an unexpected roadblock, and that can lead to a whole different set of challenges. This time of year, of course, law enforcement and their efforts to uh, keep the roads safe for all of us and all of our families and friends will conduct roadblocks. They were in style for many years, went out of style a few years ago when the United States Supreme Court laid down some very fine, detailed instructions about how to do roadblocks. And what that unfortunately did, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, smaller police departments were just stretched in resources to meet all of the mandatory requirements of the meeting and the plans and the recordings and the lights and the flares and the signs. Larger departments can do it. The DUI task force can do it. Ostensibly, it's to check for seat belts and insurance and safety equipment. But uh, trust me, they tend to run these uh, roadblocks. Let's say if you're in Metro Atlanta, for example, and if you know Metro Atlanta, where Howell's Restaurant, Howell's Steakhouse is on Rosa Road, fantastic place. There's a bar called the Ivies. There's Johnny's Hideaway, where uh, people like Bruce Hayden can be found dancing the night away. Uh, there's several other bars and restaurants there. And interestingly, that's where the task force tends to set up roadblocks, lo and behold, and uh, make a lot of business for those of us who defend folks charged with DUIs. So be careful, don't have alcohol in the car. That in and of itself, number one, is a separate violation if you have an open container okay that's problem number one problem number two is if you've got one open beer in the car the whole car smells like beer and when you roll down your window at the roadblock to give the officer your driver's license and insurance and registration he or she will smell the beer and they will start the dui investigation right then and there so don't don't make it easier for them than it already is if you've got a backseat passenger who's decided that they're going to bring uh, a red solo cup filled with beer into the car and you're driving and you're sober because you're the designated driver guess who's getting the ticket uh, for the open container and potentially dragged down to jail it's not the pastor in the back seat it's you the driver who allowed that to exist in your car so it may make you a little bit unpopular with your passengers but you've got to just take a hard line and uh, protect yourself at all costs you know one thing we i don't know that we've spoken about much because we tend to focus on the criminal aspect of drinking and driving which of course we should but you know if you even have a couple of uh, beverages legal amount let's say you're less than the 0.08 legal limit but you cause an accident you run through a red light and hit somebody uh, you might not even get charged with DUI but a good personal injury lawyer like Bruce and I might be able to try to figure out if I had to uh, is going to represent that injury party against you and the amount of alcohol or proof that you have been drinking will absolutely be part of the negligence claim 
uh, it will increase and inflame the ability to get not only damages, but potentially punitive damages. God forbid you'd ever done it before. And uh, quite frankly, those are cases where your insurance company may say, hey, yeah, you know, we're responsible for the liability portion where you ran the red light and T-boned the other car, but we're not paying for your punitive damages award because you're the one that got got liquored up. We didn't ask you to do that. This may be the subject for a whole different segment one day, but when it comes to an insurance company's responsibility to pay for your punitive damages, meaning you engaged in conduct that subjected you to heightened damages, having nothing to do with whatever harm you cause somebody else and what it takes for them to be made whole, but having to do with your reckless disregard for the consequences of your actions. So drunk driving comes to mind, um, driving under the influence of drugs, hit and run comes to mind. Those are some examples of the things that can expose you to punitive damages. It may become texting and driving uh, as a basis for punitive damages at some point. Your auto insurance policy may contain an exclusion that specifically says in that policy, we will cover you for the negligent actions that are committed while you're behind the wheel of the car, but we will not cover you for anything that results in punitive damages. For that, you're on your own. And what that means is, at the time you need your insurance company the most, um, you have no coverage. So that's something that typically um, is an election that is made at the time you purchase the policy. Um, it may be that you're doing it because you think you're saving $150 uh, by not having that coverage. So you say, oh, I don't need it. I, I want the cheapest insurance I can get. And yet when time comes to actually pay, you suddenly find out that you're naked. You you're exposed. That bank account, that equity in your home, the, the jewelry that uh, you have, whatever it might be of, of value is exposed to the claims of the people that you've harmed. So here's another thing to, to check on about like do i have proper coverage to protect me in the event that i'm found guilty for punitive damages when it gets down to it in the dui context what ray was saying is you know essentially did you engage in conduct that just showed a reckless disregard for the consequences of your action and and there's nobody who's going to be able to say under oath that they did not understand the impairment that comes from consuming alcohol and then getting behind the wheel of a car. And, and that is an example right there of how you can just quite simply put yourself in that posture. Um, Ray, do you want to talk a little bit about um, the ways in which someone can be under the legal limit, but still be considered a less safe driver and how that works both in the criminal context and, and uh, how we use it in the civil context? Sure. We all, we all have in our head this bright line at 0.08. And just a little historical perspective, uh, when I began as a young DUI prosecutor in DeKalb County in June of 1985, the legal limit in the state of Georgia had just been reduced from 0.15 down to 0.12. And back in those days, it really was drunk driving, not impaired driving. You, you had to be drunk to be convicted. Uh, and it was reduced, the legal limit went from 0.12 to 0.10 and now down to 0.08 for those over the age of 21, under 21, it's 0.02. So it really is a zero tolerance for those under the age of 21. Um, I recently represented a young man who was uh, had been admitted uh, to the Navy SEALs training program. He wow. was 20 years old. He was as fit as any human being. His reflexes were sharp, you know, sharp as attack, his eyesight, fantastic. Had a couple of beers at the UGA game, was coming back 
on 316 through Gwinnett County got stopped and was a 0.04 and change. Just, just a couple of sips over the legal limit. To me, was he an impaired driver? Heck no, I'm impaired at 0.04, I'm 64 <laughs> years old. I shouldn't be driving at night, let alone after a couple of, of beers. It's kind of upside down a little bit. The older you get, the more leeway you get, which doesn't make that much sense. But sure, you could be 0.07 and prosecuted if there's an accident. It's within the prosecutorial's discretion, prosecutor's discretion. You have to really, it would really have to show some high and aggravated circumstances about less safe driving per se means greater than 0.08. You're per se considered to be impaired. It's kind of burden shifting, but we don't need to talk about all that today. But under 08, you can push back. There is no presumption of impairment, but it can be proven by extra evidence. So high speed, high speed chase, uh, drugs in the car, a gun and something that inflames the judge and the jury to say you were clearly impaired because of the additional behavior, not just your blood alcohol level, tends to be accidents and high speed chases. Those make a lot of sense. What about what about folks that go to a party that not not a party that they're hosting, but they go to a party and then they do something wrong? Can the person that's hosting the party, can that person get in trouble for the behavior of someone else? Yeah, that's a great a great question. Um, and it, it's not just limited to the uh, host of a party, but um, it would be the same if you owned a restaurant or bar and were serving alcohol. Sure. Um, if you are over-serving your guests and you uh, have reason to believe that they're going to be getting behind the wheel of a car and that they shouldn't be driving because they are visibly impaired, you know, somebody's been staggering around your house just making a fool of themselves, um, and then you, you know that from where you live, they drove there, they're going to get back in the car. Uh, if you allow that to happen, yes, you can have liability if they go in their car, cause a crash, and somebody gets injured. It's it's not if they get injured, but if they injure somebody else. Um, that, that, when it comes to the concept of, of um, an establishment that serves alcohol doing that, is what we call a dram shop liability case. Uh, the owner of the facility that's been serving you the dram of alcohol, if they have have knowledge that you should not be behind the wheel of the bar because they've you know served you 11 drinks over the course of an hour and you've got your keys on there and say okay time for me to get behind the wheel of my suv and go drive home um they can be held accountable for that sort of thing so it's it's not the most direct and easiest thing but it certainly can happen that way oh absolutely and and if i was advising someone who was throwing a party at their house where they were going to provide uh, alcoholic beverages to their guests. On the invitation, I would put something like, you know, don't drink and drive, use Uber or Lyft, here's the app, scan it on your phone. I would, I would consider going above and beyond. Uh, and if I owned a restaurant or a bar that served alcohol, I would, I would go above and beyond making sure, because that's, that is the defense, or at least part of the defense by the provider of the alcohol is, wait, wait, wait. First of all, we, we told them not to drive. We, we made it accessible. We had a, we have the, the AAA cab company signs on the wall. Uh, all of our bartenders took what there used to be a class that Anheuser-Busch would give called tips to train bartenders and waitresses and waiters to look for people who were clearly inebriated and cut them off and get them a ride home. So I, I would, you know, me personally, uh, if I was advising someone who was throwing a party or a graduation party or a Christmas party, especially if there are anybody underage, 
you've got to have a really heightened sense of protecting yourself. Uh, it might crimp somebody's style. Uh, somebody may not have good time Charlie, the time that they like to have, and put the lampshade on their head and run around the house drunk. But you know, you want them, you don't want them somebody to take your house because of what good time Charlie did when he left your house drunk. Yeah, the the question that I would go back to a little bit because Bruce, you laid out, hey, I've had eleven drinks, and boys, I'm headed out, I'm going home. I can see where that would be really, really challenging if somebody doesn't say anything. You know, they just get up and leave. Where does that leave you? I think to Ray's point, you, you're smart to offer alternatives for uh, people to get home using ride shares. Uh, maybe you provide rides for them. Maybe you gather keys up and have them, uh, you know stand on one foot for 10 seconds, recite the alphabet backwards, <laughs> see if they can do that. You know, you're not, you're not obligated. I'm, I'm sort of joking, right? Well, actually, I was to say, because what if they just say no? No, you're not obligated to subject your guests to field sobriety tests to see if they're competent to get behind the wheel of a car. But again, if you're paying attention and have reason to know that somebody's been drinking and somebody is, is ex exhibiting the outward manifestations of intoxication that anybody would recognize okay so they're, they're unsteady on their feet they're falling down they're, they're slurring their speech their eyes are glazed over if, if you can see these things for yourself then you've got a duty not to let them just get behind the wheel of a car and if they do and if they hurt somebody you can expect a phone call from someone like me uh, saying, hey, we need your insurance information because you have responsibility for the harm that this guy caused when he left your party. That That's that's the danger here. Yeah, and don't sponsor the drinking game, you know, right. Right. <laughs> that uh, you take a shot for every time that, uh, you know, something happens. Everybody happened. scores a touchdown. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it, it. unfortunately, I mean, we don't want anybody hurt. Nobody wants anybody hurt, but you do have to be defensive when you host somebody or a group of people, uh, especially if you know. I mean, look, what what about a situation where you know there's a, a guy, and you know we're going to call him Good Time Charlie, who who always overindulges, who probably had three or four pops before he even got to your place, and then you serve him a modest amount of alcohol, or he has three or four in your presence. Now we're up to six or eight. What's your responsibility there? Again, if it's open and obvious. Uh, I went to a seminar on dram shop litigation about two years ago, and one of the pieces of, of uh, evidence that the plaintiff's lawyer from the injured party got against the bar was the bar's own security camera that literally you could watch over, you know, they made a timeline and a clock, and you could see this guy having drink after drink after drink at the same spot in the bar and the bartender just kept pouring him and you could see him you know sort of physically shrinking as he got drunker and drunker and then got up and walked out and you know put the exhibit sticker on that and get the policy limits because that's that's a great case and that was a good piece of of work one of the things we've always talked about on these kind of cases is what the spoilation letter get hired soon send a letter to that bar and restaurant and say don't destroy your security video cameras if you do, we're going to use that against you, the fact that you didn't preserve it, and we want it right away. Uh, that goes for slip and fall cases. There's just so much videotape out there nowadays, um, whether it's to catch shoplifters ostensibly or security for the, for the store or the restaurant, that if you have a claim against one of those places, guys like Bruce are going to get that video quick, and it's going to be, it could be very powerful. Another piece of powerful evidence are credit card receipts and, and the actual 
uh, check from somebody's order. You know, these days people tend to pay by credit card, and so there's a, a track record um, showing where they've been, how much they spent. If you can get the actual check, it'll it'll show how many drinks were ordered. It'll show uh, the time uh, a time stamp typically on there, and that can be really important as far as pinpointing, um, you know, just exactly. Uh, where somebody was, how long they were there, and how much they had during that time frame. Uh, I'll tell you where uh, this sort of dram shop liability or the host liability at a party does not come into play. If, as Ray calls him, good time Charlie, um, and by the way, we love our good time Charlie friends. I mean, oh, yeah. Ray, Ray and I have lifelong friends who are in that good time Charlie candidate. As we've gotten older, it gets just more and more exhausting to spend time with them. But, um, you know, we, we all know and love these good time Charlies. They just they get to be this albatross, you know, around your neck and, and you can't keep carrying them around. But but here's where this liability does not come into play. If good time Charlie drinks so much at my house or at a bar and he goes staggering out onto the street and he wanders into the street and gets run over by a car. And so, and so the person who is injured is good time Charlie, or the person who was killed is good time Charlie. Good time Charlie or his heirs cannot then come back and sue me saying, you overserved good time Charlie, you, he got drunk under your watch, he went out and got killed, and now you're responsible for his death. The, the, the law does not work that way. All right. What the law says is that if good time Charlie runs out and he hurts somebody else, it's that third person who can come back and bring a claim against you for the harm they've suffered at the hands of Good Time Charlie directly, but indirectly at your hands for allowing them to put that person to a position where they, they could hurt somebody. So well, it's, it's a subtle distinction, but it, it's a meaningful one. What about if you're if you're Charlie and you realize you've had too much to drink and you don't want to drive, but you don't want to you know leave your car where it is and you go and you sit in the back seat and you go to sleep? Because I've heard of people, um, and I don't know if it's true, if people have gotten in trouble for doing that because they're in their car drunk, is that is that something that you can be punished for? Well, see, you know, there's two. I get two of those kinds of cases, and the one I get most of the time is where uh, Good Time Charlie has gone to McDonald's and he's fallen asleep while while he's waiting for his <laughs> right, 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 right. And uh, he's behind the wheel of a car, and the engine is running, or he's parked the car, but because it's cold out, he's got the engine running, and he's still in the passenger seat. Those are tough cases because it's to defend. Because you were intoxicated, circumstantial evidence is that the car got there somehow, and you were behind the, the driver's wheel uh, with the engine warm, or, you know, either warm to touch to the hood, or the engine is running. So yeah, do what Tug said. Park the car. Get off the road. Number one. Number two. Get in the back seat of the car. Hide the keys under the front front floor mat. Uh, don't run the engine if you if you can do it if it's not too hot. Uh, and yes, can you be charged with perhaps improper parking or you're you're in a place where you shouldn't be or perhaps you got out of the car and then you're they charge you with intoxicated in public. But those are manageable problems compared to a DUI or, you know, perhaps an accident stemming from that DUI. Yeah, I would just like if you're let's say you're at a bar and we got about a minute well, you're at a bar, you know, you've had too much to drink. You you literally, like you say, just get crawl in the back seat and go to sleep. Is that what you mean? They get you for improper parking there? Yeah, I got you. Know, you. Maybe maybe there's a zoning regulation. You can't be at a certain you can't do that at a park, for example, a city park where where you can't be at the park after one o'clock in the morning. OK, that's a city ordinance violation. Yeah. 
have some have somebody call you a cab get your phone out get an uber do something go back and get your car the next day even if you have to get it out of the tow yard even if you get a boot off of it um just don't put yourself in position to um take a problem and compound it into something that can be a much more serious problem for you and potentially many other people. Right As on. the great philosopher Chris Domino says, don't commit a crime while you're committing a crime. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's a valuable <laughs> logic for sure. Hey, uh, okay, there's a story that I just ran across, um, and it's the Home Depot employee that dies trying to stop a thief. Have you all yeah. seen that one? Yeah, older guy. That... Anything there? For this last yeah, segment, talk about sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean, all right. Here the guy lingered for a little while and I, then he passed away. I, I can, I can talk about that for nine minutes better than I can talk about uh, the appointment of federal judges. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. let's go with that then. Yeah. <laughs> all right, here we go. Three, two. When we come back, if you're in, uh, when we come back, if you're at work and someone is shoplifting, let's say you work at a big box store and that person tries to stop a thief and is injured or even killed what happens who's responsible can we get those answers yes of course we can we got bruce hagan and ray judice and they'll answer that question next on extra 1063 this is your day in court The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Ballou here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 106.3. Welcome back to your day in court with renowned lawyers Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. Final segment is about an Army veteran who worked at Home Depot, his name was Gary Razor. He died after being shoved to the ground trying to stop an alleged shoplifter. 83-year-old Home Depot employee died from the injuries sustained, and, and it wasn't immediately. He was in the hospital for a little while, but you can see the surveillance footage of him being shoved down and then there in pain on the ground. What what happens here? Uh, who's responsible 
Uh, should an employee ever try to stop a, a someone from stealing from a store? There just seems to be so many layers to this onion. For a lot of reasons, um, most retail employers will tell their employees that if you observe somebody shoplifting, do not confront them. Do not try to stop them. Um, you call security, you can call police. Do not take it upon yourself to stop that criminal from shoplifting. And um, it's for many different reasons, but it's also particularly for the exact reason that Mr. Razor is now dead, which is that in the course of encountering somebody who is engaging in a criminal act of shoplifting, um, you may yourself become injured or killed. And that is something that the employer is trying to avoid more than they're trying to avoid this person taking off with some of their product. There's a cost for that. It's it's a cost of doing business as a society. We all pay for that in the form of increased prices. But the Home Depot has, I'm sure, some sort of insurance that, that can help them from that. Um, but Mr. Razor is now left with, uh, well, he's dead. His family is left with the loss of their loved one. And the recourse is very limited because while the family can certainly sue the person who shoved him to the ground, because that's, after all, the person who immediately brought on his death. As it relates to the relationship between Gary Razor and Home Depot, Home Depot's responsibility is going to be limited by whatever the workers' compensation laws are in the state of North Carolina where this happened. Yes. Uh, so the big rule is both for employees and those of us who are guests that want to play hero, get out of the way. So in this very large criminal with a shopping cart full of power tools that he was trying to steal and was headed towards the front door. This older gentleman who works for the store tries to stop him or or gets in his way. Well, he's tossed aside like a like a like a sack of taters. Yeah, and hits his head, and then is hospitalized and dies a few days later. So there are some causation issues, but I think you can get over that unless he had some sick. He would have been working probably if he wasn't in reasonably good health health at that age. So the defendant can be charged with homicide, with murder. Um, his act clearly led to the death of this senior citizen, and uh, in addition to the shoplifting charge, but really this is a homicide charge, an aggravated assault leading to a homicide. Uh, with respect to what individuals should do, yeah, if you want to maybe step back and take a cell phone picture of the thief and provide it to law enforcement, I would say with the tag number of the car, that which is usually a stolen car, uh, that's what they do. They steal cars, then they commit more crimes, and then law enforcement finds the stolen car three days later abandoned on uh, I-20 over <laughs> yeah, outside the perimeter. And the stores don't want their senior citizen door greeters or baggers to be trying to stop criminals who will harm you. I don't know if, if you all saw it, the Apple store, I think it was maybe in San Francisco, mm -hmm. where people were literally just walking in and taking, you know, thousands of dollars worth of cell phones and iPads and all that. No one even responded in the store. They acted like it wasn't even happening, which was bizarre to see. In light of what you've said, which I know is true, it is so bizarre just to say, you know what, we have to let these people be so violent and we have to let these people be criminals. Otherwise, you're taking your own life in your hands. Well, first of all, it's just stuff. I hate to be cavalier about it, but it's just items. If they're trying to hurt somebody at the Apple store, well, you know, maybe we do need to get involved to protect our loved ones or ourselves or sure. the employees. But they're just taking stuff, and usually they're on camera, and a lot of times they get caught, 
And a lot of times I get punished. And sometimes the stuff is recovered or it's insured. And again, I'm not sure, you know, I don't want anybody taking my stuff either. But I think we have to put it in that category. But the societal problem is that now, you know, half the stuff at the CVS is not on the counter, just a, an empty box or a picture of it, because these items are being stolen by Snatch and Dash. And, uh, you know, everybody thinks that all the stores, everybody's just printing money. You know, Target just prints money and CVS just prints money. But there can be enough theft that can actually start to cut into profits. Uh, and you're seeing also stores like CVS, I think they've closed, and Walgreens have pretty much closed all of their uh, retail operations in downtown San Francisco. So a regular person wants to go to get their prescription filled, but they can't because the thieves have wiped out the CVS so many times that CVS said as a business decision, well, guess what? We're closing. I'll give you another example of unchecked crime. And it's something that I've run into and a lot of folks who do what I do have dealt with over the years. And that's check fraud. And you know, in my business, we write a lot of checks out of our escrow account because every time the case gets resolved, the client gets paid. There are doctor's offices that get paid. There might be reimbursements going to health insurance company. All of this gets paid out of my firm. So when we get a case settled, there might be anywhere from five to 15 separate checks that get generated over the course of the year. That's a lot of checks. Criminals have figured out that they can get hold of lawyer escrow checks, copy the relevant information with the account number and the routing number of the bank, and shove them into an account and get money from them. And these checks that I've seen come through my account that are bogus, they can be anywhere from the low thousands to, you know, seven, eight, nine thousand uh, dollars in, in funds. And I can, I, I typically catch it before it happens, or at least someone at my bank will catch it. But the bank takes no steps whatsoever, in my view, to try to identify and catch these criminals who are walking into a branch of a bank somewhere where there's, we know there's a million cameras presenting this check with some form of identification and walking out of that bank with cash in hand. I want to help, right? I mean, these people are stealing from me and eventually stealing from my bank when they credit the money back to me. I want to help because I'm concerned, are these clients who've been in my office? Are these sure. people that I would know and be able to identify? There's no interest whatsoever on the part of the bank in tracking them down. It seems to be accepted as just a cost of doing business. Ah, and, and, so and ridiculous. It, it is ridiculous. As, as much as it's ridiculous that, you know, you own a retail shop and people running out the door it with is. Of your product is also a cost of doing business. 100%. It is ridiculous at both counts. The good news is, Bruce, folks can get a hold of you and an instance notice if they need you. Quite easily. You can call or text me at 404-202-2233. My email, bruce at hagen-law.com. That's H-A-G-E-N. Um, you can also uh, give us a shout out uh, at Peeps Lawyer on Twitter, and um, you can reach us that way. Certainly suggest any future topics for our show. We're happy to discuss anything that's of interest to any of our listeners. Uh, at Peeps Lawyer is a good way to communicate with us as well. And Ray? Yeah, 404-964-4185 is the cell. We're here in Roswell. Uh, RayJudiceLaw.com, and that's G-I-U-D as in David, I-C-E. Use your hands when you say it. It's Italian. <laughs> and uh, and we'll try to get back with you. I, I, get, I get communications, I'm sure, like Bruce does, in all forms, text messages, emails, 
Facebook, Instagram, but but the text is absolutely the best because I can be in court and actually check my text as long as I'm not having a trial. I'm sitting in the jury box waiting for my turn. Uh, I can be doing the show and check my text messages. So uh, we love the text message, and uh, it's a great way also for me to, to record you and your name in my cell phone so we can communicate in the future. 404-964-4185. This is your day in court on Extra 106.3. Make it a great weekend. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Ballou here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. 